And I think that's where the win rate can go up. When you give marketing the opportunity to collaborate with sales in a territory account specific model, even if it's a swag campaign or whatever the thing might be. And I think those are some of the more commonsensical opportunities for a lot of operators is just think about where there's white space in your business and how can you use the amazing resources, personnel and technology that you've got to drive remarkable outcomes. Welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight, the enterprise revenue intelligence podcast for revenue leaders in yes, sales, marketing, and customer success. Because we all share the same goal, revenue growth. Always more, always faster. We learn how to drive revenue as we examine real-life insights from multiple angles with human flavor since people buy from people. I am your host, Mariana Kogan, CMO and winner of the Forrester Marketing Program of the Year, and I will be joined by Art Harding, Season Revenue Leader. Welcome to our next episode of Hidden in Plain Sight with my guest, Mike Wolber from Rent Dynamics. What we try to cover here on Hidden in Plain Sight is we all work in this world of go-to-market with ratios, numbers, metrics flying around from board meetings to industry analysts to our favorite user conference we may all attend. But when we get back to the office on Tuesday, what exactly does that mean and how do we put it into practice? Today, we're going to unpack with Mike what is behind the statistic that 38 to 40% increase in win rates when sales and marketing teams are aligned? So I know if I'm leading a sales team and I hear marketing and sales alignment can improve my win rate by nearly 40%, my next logical question is, what does sales and marketing alignment mean and why is it helping me actually achieve these results? So with that, Mike, let me turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and Rent Dynamics, and then I'll hit off that first question of what sales and marketing alignment actually means. Awesome. Well, first of all, Art, thanks a ton for having me. Really excited to be here. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And yeah, real quick, my name is Mike Wolber. I'm the chief revenue officer of a really cool company called Rent Dynamics. I'm in the vertical specific software space. Been serving the multifamily industry for about nine years now. So think apartment owners and operators that own multiple large scale apartment buildings. We're providing the software and technology to really run those buildings. And before joining the space back in 2015, I actually got my career started up in Beaverton, Oregon, working at Nike. So really fell in love with branding and technology and saw an opportunity to really skyrocket by jumping into a smaller pond. And it's been really fun to be part of vertical-specific technology and creating really good, fun, and fast-paced change in this industry. Awesome. It's always fun to have ringside seats to companies of the caliber of Nike that have defined what marketing can do for a company, right? So I'm sure an interesting background. But now you're the CRO for Rent Dynamics, if I understand, right? So you've kind of looked at both sides of the aisle. Yep, you got it. Excellent. Cool. So we talked about the result that we can achieve improving our win rates with sales and marketing alignment. My question then is, as someone who, with your background, what does sales and marketing alignment actually mean to you? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a huge topic, right? It's probably one of the most common things that folks in our chairs are hearing about at conferences, podcasts, discussions with peers and internal teammates. And I think alignment is huge. We've been in this like really tough, couple year window where retaining talent, hiring talent, ramping people effectively has never been more important. And I also think it's never been more important to create highly connected teams. So one of the, when I think about this, I often think about if we think about sales and marketing teams and this feeling of being aligned, not only on the shared wins, but also the shared accountabilities when there's struggles, 
And if you think about a sports team and watching one side, like maybe an offense saying the defense didn't do its job or the defense saying the offense did a job as a fan or as the owner, you kind of don't care. And it's a really sad for a leader to hear two groups have absolute clarity as to what the other group wasn't doing or should have done, you're not in that feeling, right? And so this feeling of shared accountability, shared success, and also shared moments of learning, I think watching how your team celebrates and watching how your team retros, even who they include in retros is one of the signals that I see is when we see something needs to be optimized or something didn't go the way we wanted, I'll often look at who's been included in the retro because that will tell me the person who's organizing this, their mindset in terms of the ecosystem and the team that they were trying to accomplish that goal. So that's one of those things there. So in terms of getting out of how we feel and our teams behave, so hopefully we've got shared goals. We're aware of how our business processes flow from one team or one group to the other. And we've got some shared data and some we're unlocking hopefully some shared automation between the two functions. When we're starting to do this well, what are some of the indicators or leading indicators or metrics or measures that you either see people using or you see performing that may be in contrast with someone who has not yet achieved marketing and sales alignment? Yeah, I mean, I think to get like a little bit more tactical now, one of the big things that I think is important when it comes to defining and seeing it happen is really like listening to your team to make sure the metrics, the measurements, the comp plans, kind of the non-technical things that any good, highly functioning business should have in place are creating a feeling of alignment. And I think five to 10 years ago, most marketing teams were only focused on MQLs. They only wanted lead volume. And then a sales team would get all of this underqualified, non-buyer lead volume It was a waste of time and they found it was better just to go prospect on their own. And it created this massive divide. And it was arbitrary metrics that created poor outcomes that created this feeling and and sometimes like a vocal sense. I'm sure you've seen it like I have of we don't like each other. And when you align the team to demos or bookings, or I mean, best would be a revenue goal. All of a sudden, the team's waking up fighting together to go get that win. And as soon as you get that choreography built out where it's working without technology, you get all these amazing indicators that it's time to bring in technology to throw gas on the fire. And I think that's where the fun stuff really happens, especially in the high growth tech space that we're both in. Where So first, have absolutely had ringside seats, both as an operator and with our prospects and customers that the, I'm not even sure old school is the right phrase to use, but the historical metrics we were using, the problem with them is they are actually very valuable indicators for a marketing team to analyze the performance of the top of the funnel. The problem is, as someone who carried a bag as an account exec and being in the field, you don't know what these things mean. You can Google the definition, you may be aware of it. So essentially, if you're in the field and you're on the sales team and you're trying to build pipeline and all you're getting is green report cards on metrics you don't understand, this is where I think the chasm starts. And to your point about revenue goal, two trends that I'm picking up that we embrace here at People and other companies is, we love the potential and the leading indicator of pipe build. But at the end of the day, we all know different forms of pipe convert at different rates. So what we really have is a revenue goal. That's a shared goal that everyone contributes to from your marketing sales, even your post sales, who are going to create some of those use cases that go back into your funnel, right? And then the second one, so sales teams understand revenue. So if marketers can learn how to communicate the downstream revenue impact, and I understand and empathize the discomfort 
that marketers might have that they don't control everything that happens after that. But we all have things that are out of our control that we contribute to on a team. Outside of revenue goals for the teams in terms of how pipeline translates to revenue, the second area that we've seen and you and I had chatted about and prep for this was account engagement. Sales teams speak account and territory engagement. So if marketers can communicate, we are this penetrated into these segments, we are this penetrated in these accounts and show progress with the sales team that we are engaging deeper into our territories, into our accounts, that's when you'll get that tip of the hat from the sales team that the marketing team helped me penetrate an account. The marketing team may know all the sources and channels and conversion rates that achieve that outcome, but I really think it's on both teams' shoulders to communicate. And for sales teams, understand how important the people and the contacts you're engaging with are as signals for your marketers so they know how their campaigns are performing. So if you want to partner with marketing, you got to give them that feedback, which includes who you're meeting with, when you met with them so that they can optimize those campaigns. Okay, so clearly we have passion about this. We're getting excited and happy just thinking about sales and marketing teams that are aligned Maybe we just wandered into the first obstacle, which is not having shared vocabulary. What are some other obstacles that make it so difficult to achieve sales and marketing alignment? I think some of it's like a has-been mentality. Like that's not how we've done it in the past. So we're just not going to do it that way. I do believe, even though it's not always a popular opinion, that typically what gets measured is what gets managed. And I think for me, one of the big things that's helped is I love pipeline. Pipeline is such an important way for me to see these leading indicators of bookings and revenue. And rather than just looking at my marketing team and saying, how much pipeline did you source, which is what most people would do, what we're starting to do is say, how much pipeline did you influence? So there's a sourced and an influenced number, which to your point, Art, is you ramp up the sales team and you're doing it right. Sometimes their pipeline gets too big. And all of a sudden, marketing can come in and run ABM on dormant pipeline and wake up a lead that was once upon a time really, really active, and we just forgot about them. And I think that's where the win rate can go up when you give marketing the opportunity to collaborate with sales in a territory account-specific model, even if it's a swag campaign or whatever the thing might be. And I think those are some of the more commonsensical opportunities for a lot of operators is just think about where there's white space in your business and how can you use the amazing resources personnel and technology that you've got to drive remarkable outcomes. So it sounds like from that position, we start with the lack of shared vocabulary or understanding. The next danger is what measure, what gets measured does get managed. And so if we're measuring the wrong things, we can actually amplify the situation and make it more challenging versus if we measure the right things. You mentioned this obsession with source pipeline. We have a phrase that we share with people that when you're doing PG or pipeline generation, everything works and nothing works. So it's a creative discipline that what you want to be doing is tracking all the signals. You do want to know as much as you can about how it was sourced, but that's not where the prize is. We also want to know how it was influenced throughout the buyer and customer journey and how it transitioned. So I think being able to look at multiple signals without over-indexing on one in realizing that markets change, buyer behavior change, conditions change. So we should always be watching, including sourced and influenced, as well as sales sourced, et cetera. But these are signals that require us to actually start being thoughtful as a team about how to make adjustments versus just anchoring hard on one metric and defining that that metric by itself is success. Awesome. So what tip would you give as we wrap up here? Thank you very much for spending time this morning. As you 
talk to your peers out there. What are some of the calls to action or things that you think people could go if they're looking to improve sales and marketing alignment? Yeah, I think a couple of things that are kind of top of mind for me. One would be spend time with your team asking them if they feel aligned today. Do you feel connected with your department level peers when they get a win? And if not, like seek to understand why that is and ask them for the solve. I mean, the best thing as operators, especially in leadership roles like ours, is to listen and to take action on the right things and then demonstrate that we heard you and we did something with it. And that's a great way to turn employees into raving fans and advocates, which I think is a, a, a tertiary benefit to what we're talking about. And I'd say secondarily, it is to spend time outside of your day-to-day finding conversations like this one to go think about different ways to attack the same problem. Because I think it's so easy to pull from your own experience or your co-operator's experience within your business. But so often, another industry, another vertical, another company is going to have done something that you just simply had not thought about. And that's where I spend so much of my time on LinkedIn, just connecting, just asking. And by learning outside of my day-to-day, I feel like I bring in a refreshing perspective at almost an overwhelming, like an overwhelming rate. But I think it's brought a lot of value to our business. I think we have a shared passion on this topic, but I'll ask the question to see the answer anyway. So after I consume this and I'm committed to sales and marketing line, is my next step to go invest wildly in buying tons of technology and tools? Or are there any prerequisites from this feeling of alignment before I start trying to automate and leverage AI and all the things that we know are out there. Is there something else we need to do between the feeling and the purchase? I think that one of the best ways to make a purchasing decision is to prove that you can do it manually first. And I think this like non-tech path is not sexy, but it's quite effective. See if you can find measurable impact, measurable results doing something without the technology. Can you go create demand on social media, on TikTok, on YouTube? Can you do email marketing that converts to a meeting or at least a hello? Can you codify a sales process or an account-based marketing process using Slack? Do those things manually. And then as you see that hypothesis turn into an outcome, then you're an informed buyer versus a buyer that's looking for something they don't actually know what they're trying to solve for. That's my opinion is non-tech first and then invest in the right technology. Yeah, I think as our capabilities increase, not only as individuals and as consumers, but as enterprises, it's important to remind ourselves that technology is an amplifier. It can make things go faster and it can amplify the impact of it. If you have not proven out a thesis or you do not have the low-tech, non-tech thesis sound, all you're doing is amplifying those imperfections. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Again, the Hidden in Plain Sight podcast is all about what's hidden in plain sight. So if we know that our win rates increase by almost 40%, What is hidden in plain sight? Well, hopefully one of the things you took away from Mike and I today is this is not just about numbers and ratios. There actually is uh, organizational design. There's an alignment and emotional element to it. But also more importantly, if you're struggling with sales and marketing alignment, you're not taking advantage of sales and marketing integration. And modernized go-to-market orgs are benefiting when they achieve these higher win rates. It's because they have actual integration at the business process level. That allows them to leverage the automation and they have shared data. So they're really reducing those questions. What does that mean? Where did you get that data? How come mine doesn't match you? So if we're still struggling with alignment, we haven't even started 
on the 2020 and beyond problem, which is how do we actually integrate? So time to do a self-check. If you're not sure where you are, feel free to reach out to Mike or myself. We love talking about this stuff. And Mike, thank you very much for your time today. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Hidden in Plain Sight, the Enterprise Revenue Intelligence Podcast is brought to you by PeopleEye. Make sure to search for Hidden in Plain Sight in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at PeopleAI, thanks a lot for listening.